welcome to Close Horse, the podcast that really did, this is a true story, unload and repack a ton of belongings and houseplants in the parking lot of an Econo Lodge in Knoxville, Tennessee on New Year's Eve. (laughs) I was delirious, so tired. Um, There were a bunch of really drunk dudes beating one another up then hugging it out, and then fighting again. It's just a cycle. This went on for like an hour at least while we were sorting our possessions in the dark. You'll hear so much more of the details in this episode, but I guess the moral of the story is that, wow, our stuff is a real burden sometimes. Sometimes it stands in the way of us getting a good night's sleep. I'm your host, Amanda, and this is episode 132. Today's guest is Gina of Sage Woolens. She reached out a few months ago to tell me about a very serious life change on the horizon. She and her husband were leaving the country, moving to Spain, and they were tasked with shedding at least 75% of their belongings. Imagine giving away, getting rid of, what have you, three quarters of the stuff you own. This was no easy task. It would be no easy task for anyone, but for them... It wasn't like they were currently living in a little studio apartment together. Rather, they lived in a three-bedroom home. So yeah, there was a lot of stuff to rehome. Gina didn't want to dump it all in the donation bin or summon 1-800-GOT-JUNK. She wanted these rehomed items to benefit others, to find new homes where they would be used. So began her odyssey, and today she's going to tell us all about the process, as well as share her own suggestions, and we'll be talking about our relationships with our own stuff and how we can reframe and rethink it all. This is part of an ongoing series about circularity in our own lives, as in like how it applies to -to day-to-day life. Over the last few episodes, we've been talking about the impact our unwanted stuff has on other people in the planet, especially when we operate within a binary of donation bin or trash bin for the things we no longer want or need. This week, I did a lengthy post about the items that thrift stores, for the most part, do not want from us, from sewing machines to medical supplies to alcohol, grenades, all these things. And to be honest, some people on Instagram were very upset with me about this. All the information I gathered came from a combination of conversations with Dylan and Ryan, who, you know, worked for the biggest thrift store chain here in the United States, along with research into the guidelines provided by other major thrift chains, And then also articles and suggestions by others working in this space. So this was not information that I pulled out of the top of my head, and nor was it opinion. Here's the thing about what thrift stores will or will not accept. Well, what they will accept is not synonymous with valuable or useful. And what they will not accept is not the same as useless or trash. Well, except for actual trash which you already knew, right? Thrift stores choose not to accept things for many reasons, from the perceived customer demand for a particular item. Sewing machines are a great example here. In the past, thrift stores were tragically receiving far too many of these in comparison to how many were actually selling. You got to remember, a lot of people, this is going to be shocking for you to hear, 
a lot of people, in fact, I would almost say a majority of people do not know how to sew and maybe don't even have interest in sewing right now, right? So a lot of thrift stores said, hey, we're not going to take sewing machines anymore because there's just too many showing up here. Even though you and I can say, wow, a sewing machine is super valuable, right? If it's not working, someone could harvest parts from it. And if it is working, it could give someone who doesn't have one access to mending and sewing their own clothing, right? Okay, another reason a lot of thrift stores won't accept things is because they're concerned about the legal liability associated with an item. And I'm talking car seats, cribs, medical devices. They are great examples of items that thrift stores tend not to accept because they don't want to be legally liable for any of the injuries caused by them. Now, that doesn't mean all thrift stores won't accept sewing machines, play pens, crutches, but the big chains generally won't. And like a lot of retail as a whole, the smaller independent thrift stores, who may accept these items, always call first, they're becoming scarcer and scarcer as the large chains have expanded their reach, moving into smaller communities. And furthermore, the independent thrift stores are struggling with all of the other issues facing your average small business. Higher rent, shoplifting, declining quality of donations, and increased competition with the larger thrift chains for your unwanted belongings. Knowing that those crutches you used last year when you sprained your ankle can't be donated, that can feel infuriating because now you're assuming that the only other option is the landfill, right? Except guess what? The binary of donation bin or trash bin doesn't actually exist. And thanks to the combination of technology and good old-fashioned community, your unwanted stuff can actually have a major impact on someone locally. Going back to this idea of like the crutches that you can't give to the goodwill, well, years ago, when Dylan was just a little toddler, so a lot of years ago, I was hit by a car while riding my bike. And of course, it was a hit and run. So no one helped me. There was no one, you know, there was no benefactor there to pay my medical bills. As an added bonus, the manager of the retail store that employed me had forgotten to file my health insurance paperwork by the deadline. So I was uninsured for another six months or so. I couldn't afford crutches or a boot for my messed up angle, even though I needed both. And if I could have gotten those items from a neighbor free of charge, well, my life would have been greatly improved. I probably wouldn't be as prone to spraining my ankle now as I have become. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. The donation bin should be your last resort. Because in the world of mindful rehoming, there, I'm coining the term, We take the time and effort to redistribute our belongings to others who truly need and want them. Mindful rehoming. Yes, it takes time. Forethought. A lot of posting and Googling and messaging. But it's true circularity in action. Getting these important items to someone who truly needs them rather than passing them off to a thrift store that might just send them off to the landfill or charge money for these items, putting them out of reach financially for others who are truly in need. And we, 
fortunately live in an era where mindful rehoming is easier than ever because most of the options can be accessed through your phone. There's your network of social media friends and acquaintances you can check with. Do any of them need these things or know someone who needs these things? You can reach out to your neighbors via Nextdoor or your Buy Nothing group. You could offer your stuff to total strangers on Craigslist, FreeCycle, or Facebook Marketplace. And there's a plethora of mutual aid and community organizations found via a Google search. Yes, mindful rehoming takes more time and advance notice than, say, a last-minute trip to the Goodwill, but it's time well spent. Gina has a lot of great suggestions for you, so let's jump right into our conversation. Why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? So I'm Gina, and I have, um, gosh, most recently been on this journey to rehome my things as we prepare for this very, very big um, international move um, coming up here in the next couple months. And um, this is sort of the latest, um, I guess, aspect, so to speak, of kind of this lifestyle shift that I've been going through for probably the past 10 years, um, kind of working away, working myself very gradually away from kind of the typical consumption, consumerism Mm -hmm. lifestyle um, that is just so part of life um, here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and kind of moving more towards um, kind of slower fashion and just trying not to use up so much stuff quite so fast and recklessly and (laughs) putting a little more thought into (laughs) life. (laughs) Right. And, you know, you reached out to me about, you know, something you've been working on. And I thought it was really important for us to talk about because, well, I mean, you're going to talk about like, but you're rehoming a lot of your stuff, right? And we tend to, I mean, you, you tell me what you think here. We tend to, uh, unburden ourselves of stuff even less thoughtfully than we burdened ourselves with it. Yes, totally. <laughs> and it's hard. It's hard to thoughtfully un, un rehome your stuff, right? Yeah, it is. I've tried to be aware of how easily things come into my home. Um, mm-hmm. But still, like we've I've only lived in this house five years, but it is... Um, I mean, it's the quite, you know, quite frankly, the the path of least resistance would be to just like put stuff in the trash bin that is picked up outside my house every mm-hmm. week where it just disappears and it goes away. Um, but that's not really what I, <laughs> what I can <laughs> like live with doing, um, you know, so I feels like kind of the next best or easiest option is to take it to the thrift store. Um, mm-hmm. and that is also just like, not really such a great option if you're wanting to, um, to kind of have a lower impact with your with your things so it becomes really hard you're sort of extra burdened with this stuff that you've already been living with um when it does come time to part ways with it 
It's true. And in my experience, having just moved across the country a couple of months ago, nothing will make you realize what a burden your stuff is like moving. Oh, my Um, God. You know, it's like then you're like, (laughs) why do we have all this stuff? Like, I'm angry that we have all this stuff, right? I know, right. Last made some terrible choices that just were not like helpful to <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally, I, I feel that like, you know, we're avid thrift shoppers. We have very little things in our house that were bought new, but we still have a lot of stuff. And when we moved, I could, I finally, I mean, we've moved our whole like my husband and I have moved a gazillion times in our lives. But for some reason, this move felt particularly burdensome. And I think it was because we were living out in an area where the thrifting was so plentiful that we were able to fill our house there with so much stuff. And it was the first time moving that I realized or understood why people would be like, I'm just going to call 1-800-GOT-JUNK and throw all my stuff away. Like I'd never understood that before. And now I was like, I get it. I get why people ditch everything in the parking lot at the Goodwill. Totally, totally. Yeah, so we have been living in our current home for a little over five years, but it's a little bit bigger than the house that we were living in before. And mm-hmm. we have like had this wonderful sewing room that was just like so full of fabric and scraps and just all these, you know, all the magical things that you acquire that you love. Um and there was just more space here than we'd had before. Um, and and you will always, I feel like, I think this is a true statement for a lot of people, but whatever amount of space you have, it seems like you will fill that up. Plus, like, just a little bit more, like, <laughs> where everything's <laughs> just a little bit too tight. Um, and uh, like you guys, um, we are avid thrift store shoppers and street find hoarders and um, <laughs> yes. I mean we have like I had this magical chair I gave it to my sister-in-law in preparation for this move but um this wonderful chair that was like sitting outside the dumpster at our old home in Portland and I reupholstered it and like refinished it and so like everything you know you've had these these things and I feel like especially things that you choose that are kind of this one of a kind thing. Um, secondhand stuff. I, there's, I, I feel like when you, you're, when this stuff comes into your life, it's often in this way where it's like, this is the one shot. Like I can't come back tomorrow to the thrift store and find it. This is not going to be sitting outside by the dumpster tomorrow. Like I have to just take it now or I'm going to miss my chance and it's free or it's cheap. And so, you know, there's so many easy ways to, um, that it like comes into your life. Um, and then there's just so much of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I mean, I, I find it's everything. means something to us when we've bought it secondhand. And so it makes it I mean, you, you're stuck with it, right? <laughs> like, I can't explain it, right? But, like, when we moved, you know, we took – we did donate, like, one very small car load to the Goodwill of, like, electronic devices that my husband felt – I don't even know what they were. They were his, like, some of his, like, recording equipment for music. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, people are going to be really excited about this. And I was like, 
okay, I'll I'll take your word on it, right? <laughs> but like right. I have no right. idea. Um, but otherwise, it was like I don't know what to do with this stuff because we didn't know a lot of people, and we lived in a rural area where we couldn't just like put stuff outside like we could in Portland, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, like we had to really work hard to rehome the few things that we rehomed and. That meant everything came to Texas with us. So I want to hear about how you, knowing that it's hard to part with these things sometimes because they feel so, I don't know, they just feel different, right? Mm-hmm. How did you find new homes for your stuff without, you know, abandoning it in the middle of the night in the Goodwill parking lot, which I have seen people do, okay? I haven't seen it live in action, but I've seen it the next morning. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, so um, it was, it's been really hard. I have got to say, um, our systems just kind of in the US are not set up well to find new homes for things. Um, you know, like I was saying, it's, we've got like a trash bin or you can just offload it at Goodwill. So I, um, I did a lot of research online. Mm-hmm. I looked a lot at um, like, uh, local nonprofits. Um, I'd been involved with our local mutual aid organization doing like some volunteer mending um, with their, um, for our mutual aid group. So I had, you know, we, um, I knew that I would be able to find a home for, um, through them, that group for any survival gear. Like we took camping gear, sleeping bags, um, like headlamps. Um, We had like some canned food that was just in the pantry um, that was still, you know, within its um, sell by date. Um, so all anything that was like um, that could be useful for the mutual aid organization um, went to their weekly distro, the distribution. Um, and I know like that, that, um, is great. Um, local mutual aid organizations are, I would say, kind of your first place to consider um, as long as you are only giving things that people need. Yes. So that, I think, is like, this is like, I, I guess I'll back up a little bit here and maybe first talk about um, kind of my, my principles, <laughs> I guess, um, that I thought about while I was looking for new homes. So um, first, like researching local organizations um, to find out their needs and only donating what they need. Um, I mean, a lot of these organizations, whether it's a thrift store or a mutual aid organization that's run by just community members or um, uh, refugee rehoming um, organizations, they are all stretched so thin and they do not need to be burdened with mm-hmm. our unwanted stuff either because we don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to feel guilty <laughs> just taking it to the thrift store. So that was one of my big things. I'm only, only, only donating things that people actually need. Yes. Um, no skis or mm-hmm. like bongs <laughs> or, you know, or like random, like bikinis. You're like, I, I've, I've heard this from so many people who – who like work in mutual aid who are like, yeah, people just like ditch stuff. Like we didn't need five half used notebooks and like some like dirty socks. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bad. 
Um, well, and, you know, kind of an example of this is that I had contacted one of our um, local refugee rehome, um, resettlement agencies, and they said that they could use kitchen supplies. And so I took in a couple boxes of kitchen supplies and I asked the person who was working there if they would like just do a quick scan through to make sure everything that um, I brought was something they would use. And they wouldn't take our coffee pot because their customers, their clients um, don't drink a lot of coffee. So that was mm-hmm. something that I'm, you know, in my brain, I'm like, oh, kitchen stuff. They said that they could use it. Um, right. But that was something that was not going to be needed by them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, just please don't <laughs> please try not to try not to foist your your stuff onto uh, people who don't uh, who don't need it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it rehoming your stuff thoughtfully, it does take a little bit more effort and thought. It's not as easy as throwing it in a dumpster or 100%. abandoning it on the side of the road. Or I mean, like, I I was at a home improvement store last weekend. Um, very long story short, we had, like, a drunk driver run through our front yard and take down our birdhouse. And we needed all this stuff to fix. It was, it was kind of a, a really uh, epic project. And something I noticed that they had there now, because people are just so looking for a way to get rid of their stuff fast and conveniently, you can buy these like pop-up dumpsters that are basically like enormous, like enormous plastic bags, like the size of a small swimming pool that you put on your front lawn and you just like, you like pop them up. And you fill them with, like, tons of garbage. And then, like, you call them and, you know, you pay a fee and they take it away. And I was like, wow. Like, this is this is where we are, you know, because people – I it's so easy and very thoughtless to acquire things. But the, the truth is, like, it should, it should be thoughtful and difficult to unburden yourself of them. And it should be th- – it should be difficult to – burden yourself with the stuff in the first place you know like we've gotten so easy like so accustomed to just things flowing and out of our lives so easily that that's how we it that's what leads us to having too much stuff right and we don't think about we don't as often think about the fact that like once it's gone from our life it's not gone it still exists Right, right. There is no away. Like it's still somewhere in this world. Um, And it's, you know, either junking up someone else's space or (laughs) like (laughs) leaching plastics into a landfill or whatever. Um, But it's not ever really gone and it's just like you were saying there's all these convenient systems put in place which you know and they are important systems because they also take away like toxic stuff from our homes that like you know our sewage and the stuff that is actual garbage right right I mean I I have often thought like if we had to go to the landfill with our stuff whether it was like our weekly trash or like the stuff when we're moving and actually like take it there like load it up and take it there ourselves and maybe even have to unload it and throw it into the landfill ourselves, mm-hmm. we would see a totally different relationship with what we bring in and out of our houses because mm-hmm. it's just too easy. Like even the term throw away 
implies that yes, there is an away, and that away is that things cease existing. And mm-hmm. you know, like you said, that's not true. But it's easy to I mean, we all know, we know intrinsically that stuff doesn't disappear when we're done with it, right? I like to think mm-hmm. that everybody knows that. Right. Um but we like, I don't know, like we suspend our disbelief because thinking about the reality is too painful. It is. Yeah. And and it's just it's really overwhelming. And it it's none of our it's none of our individual faults. It's right. this is the system in which we exist. Right. And um and like, you know, you were saying it does take a lot more time and effort and resources to make stuff leave your home without kind of accessing these, like that path of least resistance, that trash bin that someone else will come pick up, um, you know, from your front yard. And so I also, I think that it's really important to, I really try to recognize is like, I've been going through this process that I do have a lot of privilege to be able to have the time and kind of at least some general background knowledge to know that, yeah, there might be some places out in my community um, that could use these things. I have a truck so I can haul my furniture to, um, you know, the person who took it just said that they wanted off of the buy nothing group. I was able to, you know, deliver this giant old chair to them. Um, I have, um, again, time is like such a huge resource that I, I think that I don't want to lose sight of, you know, mm-hmm. in the whole process because it is, it is so much more time consuming to track down a new home for every single thing or even every category of things, mm-hmm. um, rather than just loading it all into the car. If you have a vehicle that's big enough to go to the thrift store, because even there, you know, is a, is a degree of privilege that I kind of, I still kind of want to be aware of that you can mm-hmm. put everything, all, all the things you need to get rid of <laughs> into one, one vehicle and, and take it to the thrift store. So, right. um, and then just, a lot of the, you know, the convenience things in life um, that that come with extra packaging. Um, again, mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's, it's not accessible. Not all of these these systems are accessible to broad broad swaths of the population. Um, but I also feel like because I do have some of these extra resources myself. Um, it's, it's been a journey that I've chosen to go on and it has, it's been, you know, like a good three months. I kind of started this process about three months before we listed our house for sale. And I still have a lot of stuff. That is <laughs> in the yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like yeah. how much, if you could like estimate by the car load, which is a lot of stuff, uh, mm-hmm. though I guess we have to specify like what kind of car, uh, how much do you think you have rehomed? Oh, geez. Um, so 
well, we have a th- we have a three bedroom house, <laughs> and the only things um, I guess I guess I would say that one um, this is kind of an aside, but um, one one good way or like perhaps exercise. You know, you were talking earlier about um, how do you decide how to get rid of something. One really good exercise is to maybe if you don't have to move across the country or across the ocean, like hypothetically plan a move across the ocean and ask yourself, is this something I would pack with me to move? Mm, I like that. More miles. Um, and maybe you back that up a step. And when you are thinking about bringing something into your home, if it's not a consumable, right? Like if it's not food right. or like product that you are going to use imminently, um, is this something I would want to pack up and move with me to a new state? country, etc. Um, and definitely the lesson that I've learned on this is um, going through this whole process is that I will be much more, much more cautious about what I choose to bring into my home because, wow. Um, yeah, three bedroom house, <laughs> um, full of stuff. Um, none of our furniture is coming with us. So all of that has been rehomed. None of it so far, it's not all gone, but none of it so far has, um, gone to the thrift store. Um, it's been kind of a combination of, um, I've had really good success with Facebook marketplace in my Mm. area. One of my faves Um, actually. Yeah. You know, I hadn't really used it until, um, starting this whole adventure. Um, And I'd always, like, I had always used Craigslist in the past, and it's been a few years since I really sold anything online. But um, I kind of tried Facebook Marketplace out um, for the first time with this. And it's been, um, like, I I generally would say it's been quite a pleasant experience. Um, It's fairly easy to, like, get stuff listed. I have had no, like creepy scammy like let me send you a money order and (laughs) honestly I've had such amazing experiences on Facebook marketplace that I forgot that there were scammers on there (laughs) yeah I haven't I I have not had a scammer those were just like my the like holdovers from my my fears from the Craigslist days. Um, oh man, totally different story. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, Facebook Marketplace is how we've gotten rid of a lot of like weird random stuff. Everything from like a kitchen knife sharpener to like bicycles and um, random filing cabinets and um, like honeybee keeping equipment. I don't know. Just like and shop. <laughs> Well, like my husband has this big shop, like workshop with like woodworking and mechanic stuff and bicycle tools. And so we've sold a ton of his tools on there. Um, so that has been kind of, I think, one of the sort of easiest routes mm-hmm. for me. So downside to that. So those are the pros. People, people are generally trustworthy. There are a few people who haven't shown up, but I don't get like the weird creepy, scammy stuff. What else are you doing? I mean, how much stuff do you still have left? Um, Mostly now we just have like some bigger furniture pieces and things that are going to, um, that we're actually moving with us or things that we might save. We are going to store a few things. Um, I can also talk kind of about specific categories and where specifically I found 
to rehome them. I would say like if we were to put all the things that we're keeping or that we still have, they would probably comfortably fill like our living room and one bedroom. Whereas before this was a three bedroom house plus a garage. Okay. With like two bathrooms, you know, full with enough stuff that two people, well, maybe more than enough stuff than two people <laughs> live, but two people who live comfortably and like to thrift shop. And- totally. I understand. Yeah. I, I think that would describe like our level of belongings currently. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny. Like if you're, if anyone's listening to this and they're like, just like, can't imagine how someone would have all this stuff. I'm going to tell you when you shift from living in an apartment to a house, like it changes things. <laughs> I mean, right? (laughs) Yeah, and I I will stand by this. People will tend to fill the space that they have. (laughs) Totally, I think about that all the time. Like, so we we moved. We lived in a very small house in Philadelphia. Then we moved out to Burdenhand, where we lived in a really huge house, and it felt very empty when we first moved in. And it did not feel that way when we left, I can tell you. And we Mm -hmm. moved into this house in Austin that it's a three-bedroom house. And sure, there's small bedrooms, but still, I mean, for two people and five cats, it's a lot of space or plenty of space. (laughs) And I I was like, we're going to have to get a storage unit. Like, I hate us right now. Like, we have so much weird stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but you love it all, and you chose it all to like right, be part of right. your life, and yeah, and then and then it's there. It's there, yeah. Let's take a moment to thank some of the incredible small businesses who keep Close Horse going via their generous Patreon support. Selena Sanders, a social impact brand that specializes in upcycle clothing using only reclaimed vintage or thrifted materials from tea towels, linens, blankets, and quilts. Sustainably crafted in Los Angeles, each piece is designed to last in one's closet for generations to come. Maximum style, minimal carbon footprint. Shift clothing out of beautiful Astoria, Oregon, with a focus on natural fibers, simple hardworking designs, and putting fat people first. Discover more at shiftwheeler.com. Late to the party, creating one-of-a-kind statement clothing from vintage, salvaged, and thrifted textiles. They hope to tap into the dreamy memories we all hold. Floral curtains, a childhood dress, the wallpaper in your best friend's rec room all while creating modern, sustainable garments that you'll love wearing and have for years to come. Late to the Party is passionate about celebrating and preserving textiles, the memories they hold, and the stories they have yet to tell. Check them out on Instagram at Late to the Party People. Vino Vintage, based just outside of LA. We love the hunt of shopping secondhand because you never know what you might find. Catch us at flea markets around Southern California by following us on Instagram at vino.vintage so you don't miss our next event. Gabriella Antonis is a visual artist and an ethical trade fashion designer. But Gabriella is also a radical feminist micro-business. She's the one-woman band trying to help you understand why slow fashion is what the earth needs. The one-woman band to help you build your own brand. She can take your fashion line from just a concept and do your sketches, pattern making, grading, sourcing, cutting, and sewing. The second option is for those who aren't trying to start a business and who just want ethical garments. Gabriella Antonis will create custom made-to-measure garments just for you. Her goal is to help 
help one person of any size at a time, including beyond size 40. To inquire about this serendipitous intersectional offering of either concept, DM her on Instagram to book a consultation. Please follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Gabriella Antonis. And that's Gabriella with one L. Gotta get that spelling right. Dylan Page is an online clothing and lifestyle brand based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our products are chosen with intention for the conscious community. Everything we carry is animal-friendly, ethically made, sustainably sourced, and cruelty-free. Dylan Page is for those who never stop questioning where something comes from. We know that personal experience dictates what's sustainable for you, and we are here to help guide and support you to make choices that fit your needs. Check us out at dylanpage.com and find us on Instagram at dylanpagelifeandstyle. Salt Hats, purveyors of truly sustainable hats, hand-blocked, sewn, and embellished in Detroit, Michigan. Find us on Instagram at Salt Hats. Gentle Vibes Vintage. We are purveyors of polyester and psychedelic relics. We encourage experimentation and play not only in your wardrobe, but in your home too. We have thousands of killer vintage pieces ready for their next adventure. See them all on Instagram at Gentle Vibes Vintage. Thumbprint is Detroit's only fair trade marketplace located in the historic Eastern Market. Our small business specializes in products handmade by empowered women in South Africa, making a living wage creating things they love like hand-painted candles and ceramics. We also carry a curated assortment of sustainable and natural locally made goods. Thumbprint is a great gift destination for both the special people in your life and for yourself. Browse our online store at thumbprintdetroit.com and find us on Instagram at thumbprintdetroit. High Energy Vintage is a fun and funky vintage shop located in Somerville, Massachusetts, just a few minutes away from downtown Boston. They offer a highly curated selection of bright and colorful clothing and accessories from the 1940s to the 1990s for people of all genders. Husband and wife duo Wiley and Jessamy handpick each piece for quality and style with a focus on pieces that transcend trends and will find a home in your closet for many years to come. In addition to clothing, the shop also features a large selection of vintage vinyl and old school video games. Find them on Instagram at High Energy Vintage, online at HighEnergyVintage.com, and at markets in and around Boston. Wow. You know, as you were talking about, you know, not wanting to burden others with your unwanted stuff because you're trying to cut corners basically, right? Mm -hmm. It made me think of something else that I think is really important and it's kind of been something that's I've been really mindful of for the past year or so that has changed some of my behaviors, which is my approach to giving gifts. Yes. Right. So I, a few years ago, one of the last regular Christmases in the world, right? Uh, I remember feeling really overwhelmed with all the stuff we'd acquired, like in our house that we didn't need. And it's not that we were like ungrateful for it, but it just, just bummed me out. And so we started to shift away from like exchanging gifts. Um, mm-hmm. And even in the past like couple years, when it's been time to give someone a gift, whether it's because they had a baby or they got married or it's their birthday or what have you, rather than buying mm-hmm. them a thing, I bought them like food 
or yeah. a gift certificate to do something or mm-hmm. someone to come and clean their house or things like that. Like I didn't – no more stuff because I feel like it's not fair <laughs> unless that's what they want, you know? Yes. Yeah. If it's a specific thing that someone has asked for, yes. But, oh, gosh, there's just so many – like gifts for the sake of a gift. Oh, um, there's so much of that. Yeah. And it's, and, and a lot, you know, quite honestly, a lot of the stuff that we chose not to move with us was stuff that we'd received as gifts. Um, it's some, because it's just, uh, you know, there's just, there's so many things. And, you know, when you're, our culture is just very, I mean, we're, it's, it's a really nice reason to shop. It's a really nice reason, a way to show someone that you care about them and that you're thinking about them and that you're acknowledging their special event or situation or occasion. But it's also, I, you know, I completely agree with you. That's, that's where we've gone to is to like move towards giving, uh, either something consumable mm-hmm. or, um, so, like a service or I suppose an experience, um, that isn't going to be a, a thing that has to be managed and cleaned and maintained. And then eventually, disposed of in some way or rehomed um yeah gifting was really (laughs) I think I mean and once again it's like you it's like a lesson you have to to sometimes learn the hard way by like having to experience I mean this is like a really strong noun but like the repercussions of the gifts that have come into your life and for me I was like wait I don't want to deal with this stuff anymore and I don't want someone else to deal with it too just because I like them you know like if I like them enough to give them a gift I like them enough to not burden them with some nonsense absolutely (laughs) yeah so I just like I as you're talking I was just like thinking about that because that was another thing that I was encountering as we were packing up to move and I was like oh I wish I just wish we didn't have this stuff. We have stuff that we love and we're never going to part with. And it is it feels weird to say that you love stuff that you have, but like that's the reality, right? But there's there's plenty of other stuff that comes in and out of our lives that we're so ambivalent about, and I think that's where the burden of it all comes into play, where it feels like a burden and it makes you kind of angry that you have it and that you have to deal with it. And I just want other people to have that emotional experience and that thought without having to actually deal with learning it the hard way. You know what I mean? Right. Right. (laughs) Um, And I think that, you know, we get so much, you reach this critical mass of things and in just like dealing with the stuff that that's not serving you or that you don't really use or you don't really love, it kind of puts a damper on being able to enjoy and appreciate the things that you do really love. Because, I mean, we are people, we are like by nature collectors of things. And I mean, forever humans have gathered stuff, useful stuff, pretty stuff, um, just 
stuff that they like, stuff that they need. And like, we're just at this point now where it's so easy to get Mm -hmm. so much stuff to choose to bring it into (laughs) your home on your own, to have other people very well intentioned, give you these things. And, um, like there's just so, so, so much that it's hard to even appreciate the stuff that you do want because you're dealing with all of like the stuff that you that maybe you don't necessarily want but I don't <laughs> yeah. think about yeah that. <laughs> yeah it's a lot right and it's yeah. I'm I'm glad that we're finally having conversations about stuff as as a burden because I think we all were feeling it sort of intrinsically for a long time but it's like we are we are swimming in this sea we have been since we were born where stuff is the goal. Right. It's weird. And, you know, I think like the last two years with the pandemic, um, there have been like a few different waves. I think during these this time that's really kind of brought our dealing with stuff um, more into consciousness. Um, just like thinking back to the beginning of the pandemic when we first went into lockdown and everyone like, what lots of people went through and like Marie Kondoed their homes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like got rid of all their stuff. But then like we kind of bought new stuff to like decorate our homes in a way that like fit us in that moment since we had to live every minute inside our four walls. Um, you know, it was yeah. just kind of this right time to sort of like have a fresh start and, um, ugh, gosh, talk about like overburdening our, our systems. I think this is something that you talked about kind of not too long ago on the podcast too, is just like the piles and piles and piles of stuff at the thrift stores, um, kind of in the early days of the pandemic before like businesses were able to open back up and mm-hmm. kind of start processing through all of that. But, you know, and it's it just like wouldn't it have been so magical if you know (laughs) we could if we're getting rid of that stuff at least not fill the space in quite so rapidly with you know some new thing like kind of get to a point where we're thinking a little bit more about um do I need this do I want this why did I feel the way I felt Mm -hmm. with my old stuff that made me feel like I needed to purge it and get rid of it and like make space or time or whatever um you know to think about that a little bit more before we just so easily fill back in those spaces totally totally I man I remember reading about how all of the like sort of like home goods kind of stores or stores that had a home goods department. We're seeing this amazing surge in business around like June or July of the first year of the pandemic. And it was because everything had everybody had thrown everything out in in like March and April and was like, oh, oh wait, like we're still here. And that bummed me out so much. Like there I've had all the waves of emotions about everything you could have an emotion about over the past couple of years. And one thing that I had a lot of anxiety about actually in 2021 that I don't have now in 2022. I mean, I still do to a certain extent, but I remember last summer in 2021 
thinking that we'd all been through this really intense experience that I know for me was a life-changing, as it should have been, right? <laughs> but I was starting to feel anxious, for lack of a better term, that most people had not changed at all, that all of this like pain and loss and fear and everything else that we'd gone through was for nothing, that it had been totally non-transformative for everyone else and that we would go back to buying tons of clothes for no particular reason and purging our house of things and then immediately rebuying new versions of all of that. And I, by like August or September of last year, I had worked myself into this point of like despair thinking about us going back to bad behaviors. And I think that's just probably part of the process of figuring out for me, like, you know, what I was going to do next and how I was going to grow as a person and as a person who mm-hmm. wants to help other people grow, you know, <laughs> I had to go through that first phase of like, is it all for nothing, you know? Um, yeah. And I want to believe that we are going to be, we're going to do better, but I think it starts with all of us. Like, sharing how to do better or how we did better or or how we learned it the wrong way. I completely agree with that. And I think that, um, you know, there was just so much that we didn't know mm-hmm. for the first couple of years of the pandemic. And it was just so traumatic for <laughs> yeah. so many people on so many levels. And I can definitely see like, you know, wanting to kind of cling to that quote unquote sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um, as like kind of this safety net for maybe, you know, if you're not ready to kind of process everything that you've been through and like see, you know, some new thing on the other side, wherever the other side of, of the pandemic slash is slash was. Um, but um, yeah, I just, I really, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not I'm not super confident that uh that the big change that I I was also hoping to see is really coming to fruition. Mm. I know. Thinking, it's hard. I just, I I've been thinking a lot um in a, this past job that I had several years ago. We were trying to implement this new like system within this was in the education realm and we were trying to implement this new um like behavior management system within our program and we watched this training video that's like um it's an outdoor concert everyone's sitting in the grass watching the show and there's one guy one person dancing like just totally having a blast one person dancing in the mm-hmm. middle of this concert everyone else is kind of looking at them like they're a little weird okay whatever a couple minutes later one more person joins the lone the lone dancer and then like a few more people come and a few more people come and then like everyone is like happily dancing at this concert <laughs> and I like I keep thinking back to that and just thinking like okay there's the one lone dancer out there like we just have to find that one more person and that one more person and maybe you're that lone dancer in like your community <laughs> maybe yeah. you're the first person to like hop up and dance and like do something silly or was something different do something that stands out and that's not like 
fitting in with whatever the rest of your group community is doing, but like be the lone dancer. I <laughs> love like, that. That kind of something that's like, I don't know, that's something that's been helping me um, as I like, oh gosh, send so many emails and try to connect <laughs> with various people who are in various stages of like coming back to work in their various government organizations and nonprofits to like see if they can please use my things. <laughs> Like, there's a bigger purpose here. <laughs> Add them to the spreadsheet so I can share them with anyone who's interested. I think, I mean, listen, I applaud what you're doing and I feel like that should be the norm. And I was almost thinking like for anybody who's listening to this who has wanted to start their own business, be their own boss, might I suggest being sort of like a concierge for rehoming things thoughtfully? Because imagine if you could pay someone to take all of your stuff and you knew for sure that it was all ending up in a good place where it was being used again. Yes, I was just, I think that is brilliant. And I was just, um, I just saw on... Instagram the other day, I believe, is this author I follow named Sandra Goldmark, who wrote this brilliant book called Fixation. And so talking about stuff, mm-hmm. this is definitely a book that everyone should read. So it's called Fixation, How to Have Stuff Without Breaking the Planet. Um, and she ran a repair cafe in a repair shop in New York for a few years. Anyways, talks a lot about like our relationship with clothes, with our relationship with things and why, Mm -hmm. why we kind of have the things we have and why we want to hold on to the things that we have in a lot of situations and why you want to fix like the random things that you have, but how, and how hard it is to fix things is like a whole other conversation that I could (laughs) go on about for a long time. But, um, Anyways, little plug there for Sandra Goldmark's excellent book. But she was um, moderating a talk with um, the founders of an organization that I think is called it's called Apt Deck A P T D E C I believe, um, and they do exactly what you're talking about, Amanda. They are a furniture. They're only based in New York, and I think in San Francisco um, right now, but they are the furniture concierge. They will, they have like a website, I believe where you can go on there and say, I have this futon and someone else will say, I want your futon. And they go, cool. We're hooking you up with one of our drivers who will pick up your futon from person A. and And so I like, that's the kind of stuff that, that we need more of. There's definitely room for it. Um, I mean, it's a lot of logistics, but I really think that it could be an excellent, excellent business. Yeah, I think so. There's plenty of room for more than more of that. Um, Well, it was so great to talk to you about this. I wanted to know if you had any like final advice for people who are looking to pare down in a big way like you are or just a little bit you know because they feel like they have too much stuff and it's okay if you don't have an answer but you know people always want like they want to hear an easy list (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) no definitely I do have a couple I have a couple of thoughts okay great Um, so I would say like start now like 
looking for those organizations and entities in your community that will take stuff. Don't wait until you're like moving next weekend to Good try call. To, yes. to find it. Like, start now before you think you need <laughs> it. Um, uh, some places that you might look would be like um, refugee resettlement organizations, um, local shelters, um, university career closets. Some like universities will have mm-hmm. career closets for people who um, need like professional outfits for interviews. Um, of course, like resale and platforms and consignment shops. Um, uh, for like electronics and things, STEM programs, if any schools have like those STEM programs, they may take electronics. Um, a lot of communities too will have um, like re like used electronics stores that will take broken electronics or stuff that's like outdated not useful anymore but they dismantle them and then the piece the bits and pieces go to like local schools um or people who just want to like tinker with electronic stuffs um things um our community our town has a little um like a tool library that ah, is the best Yes. yes. Like look on, like look through Facebook, um, do, do some Googling, um, for things like tool libraries, um, electronics libraries, um, arts and craft stores are, or, um, like re craft supply stores, reused craft supply stores. They will mm-hmm. take, they honestly are used craft supply store has probably taken the biggest bulk of stuff out of our house because I had a sewing business for a while that's now not going to be moving across the ocean with me. Um, Other places to look, uh, mutual aid organizations, like I said before, Um, books. Books was a big weird one for me um, because we had a lot of books and I'm not going to ship them and I didn't want to take them to like our consignment stores because, or like secondhand bookstores because I didn't need like a book credit and a lot of times they won't take a lot of books um you know they'll only take kind of things that they need but um our uh we have a women's correctional center in the area and their um education program will take books um so I kind of figured that out by just like googling what to do with books um and somewhere online found a thing that was like these certain prison organization or prisons around the country will accept books. And I was like, well, I'm not going to ship them somewhere, but I (laughs) have a connection at the women's prison for who runs the clothing closet. So Mm -hmm. I like text her and she connected me with the person who runs the education program. So they're taking like dozens of boxes of books. Um, uh, like, uh, towels, linens, things like that. Our humane society needs rags for Mm -hmm. like pets. So they're a great place to send, um, old towels and blankets and stuff, um, medical supplies and equipment, um, everything from like braces to wheelchairs to like, my husband had a shoulder surgery a few years ago. Um, and he had like an arm brace, 
shoulder sling thing. Um, Knights of Columbus has chapters around the country and then Hands of Hope. Um, also, they take um, medical equipment and refurbish it or distribute it to um, people who need it. Um, and then, of course, there's all the like online resale platforms um, for things that can be be shipped or um, you know, local or otherwise. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just like start now. <laughs> Find places <laughs> that will take it. Um, and then and then you're ready. <laughs> totally. I mean, I think that and like that honestly is the most important of this whole thing. That it doesn't happen easily and it and it doesn't happen fast. And there are all these amazing places where you can rehome your things and they're going to make someone's life better. But it's not going to happen if you're moving next week. And then you're going to be buying that weird plastic bag dumpster that I saw at the home improvement store and you're going to be filling everything in it and it's going to go live in the landfill forever. And it's so depressing because you loved that stuff at some point. You're going to feel guilty and... Totally, um, totally. I just also wanted to add, and this all depends on where you live, but what I found to be an amazing place just in general for rehoming stuff and being able to help people, sometimes even if I wasn't actively looking to rehome something, but I saw a need and I was like, you know what, I have something that helps. Um, Out where I was living in Lancaster County in Pennsylvania, you know, they didn't really have a buy nothing group because it was too rural. And instead, Mm -hmm. they just had this like... A people of Lancaster helping one another group or some, it was something like that. And it would be like, hey, I just got out of being incarcerated. I'm moving into an apartment. Here are the things I need. And it would be like, oh, you know what? I do have an extra ladle. Or we did have a microwave in the garage. Like that kind of thing that mm-hmm. can help you even when you're not looking to pare down to start paring down and actually kind of, I don't know, have an impact like right away that you might not have been expected that you could have. Like I found it really great to be like, here's a whole backpack full of school supplies that I actually was just hoarding, you know, like now you get to take them to school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when we, um, when we, we moved from Portland to Boise uh, about five years ago. And one of the big things that I miss about Portland was the free piles because when we moved from Portland, I know, (laughs) (laughs) and it disappeared and it was wonderful and that is not at least not in our neighborhood where we're living currently an option um totally i don't um, see it here in austin either even though austin's supposed to be so similar to portland i just want to say that i have a clothing hamper in my house right now in austin texas that i got from a free pile in portland oregon at least 10 years ago that has traveled around the country with me uh, they can be a resource in both directions. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Talking about my my free dumpster chair earlier. Yeah, right? exactly. And, yeah, <laughs> you take what you take, what you need. You give what you don't. And when we had our giant free pile the last time uh, before we moved from Portland, this girl came and she was like looking at some craft supplies I had, and I was like, "Are you interested in craft supplies?" And she was, and so I like. Like you were saying, Amanda, I um, I decided that there were a lot of things that I didn't need that would be better put to use in her hands mm-hmm. at that time. Um, so I got rid of a whole bunch more stuff. But just like finding that person that 
definitely needs a thing and will use the thing right now is sometimes a really good way to make you reflect on like, oh yeah, I do have that, but I I don't need it or I'm not using it or it's not being put to its best use or whatever. Um, So yeah, like, you know, following along on whatever those buy nothing groups or equivalent is um, next door, that app in some areas is um, neighborhoods will use I've mm-hmm. seen it used that way too. Um, so yeah, just kind of keep tabs on that. And like, even if you're not looking to purge 75% of your belongings, um, <laughs> you might find something that can go out the door in a meaningful way. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And you know, regardless, like be patient because these things do take time. Like when we moved here, We had a gazillion moving boxes. And every time we move, we're like, oh, we're going to break down these boxes and we're going to put them in in like a closet, a shed, a basement, and then we're going to use them when we move again. And guess what happens? Every single time they get ruined like by moisture or something like that, right? And then we can't use them. Get into them and scratch them up. Exactly. So I said, we're not doing that this time. We are going to rehome all of these moving boxes. And I am not kidding when I say – it was probably 200 moving boxes because we had to literally pack up everything we owned into, you know, a pod to get here, right? And so everything had to be boxed when you're doing something like that and it's going on a long trip. And so we bought all these boxes secondhand, but they were really, really nice. And I put a post on our Buy Nothing group and also on Nextdoor. And yes, it took a month to get rid of all those boxes, but we ended up not even putting a single box in the recycling bin. They all got to go be used by someone else for moving. And moving boxes are also really expensive. So I was glad to be able to provide them to people who didn't have that money. Um, Right. And it was just like, hey, there's a big pile in our carport. Take what you need. And just Mm -hmm. people were coming like every day for weeks and then they were gone. And, you know, it wasn't going to happen in a week. It took time. I think I had hopes, too, that moving boxes would be so exciting that they'd all be gone in a few days. It just took time, but they were all gone. And so once again, I think that that patience, that forward planning is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's probably the biggest biggest thing is be patient. Know it's going to take time. And if you can start early and if you can't, just... Also, just, like, do your best. (laughs) Yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've still taken a couple, like, a couple loads to the thrift store, and there will be another one, you know, and it's just the stuff that I I can't find a home another way. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's so much less than I would have taken if I hadn't, you know, been doing this other project. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Um, and it is really, it's really satisfying to like hand something over to a person who is going to use it. Like that is, that's very satisfying. It's nice in a way, especially if they like actually really, you know, they really need it. Um, and it's going to help them, you know, access something that they might not have been able to have otherwise, or just make their lives easier. Um, or just like not buy something new at a store. Which is <laughs> no. also great. It's, it's all great. I mean, that's why I do miss the era of the free the free pile because I found a lot of things in free piles over the years that I would have otherwise had to go buy new. And mm-hmm. it feel like even just like using that clothing hamper as an example, I would have totally like that's a big thing to go buy. 
that consumes yeah. like some materials, right? And so just the fact that I've had the same one all this time that I got for free that someone else no longer needed, probably because they were moving, that's my guess. It's like, right. how amazing is that? Also, it's like a really nice hamburger. I feel like they paid at least $100 for it. Hey. <laughs> and then yeah, thinking about like dollars per use for yeah, them. Yeah, totally. Well, the it's like, you're making money off of it now. <laughs> <laughs> There's all these different ways you can look at it, but it's a win in, no matter how you look at it, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like a hand for whether you are bringing it into your home or trying to get it out. Yeah, it's a good, good way to live. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this great advice. Um, when are you moving? How much time do you have left? We um, we are supposed to close on our house at the end of May. And so then we soon. have a, a limbo period um, of maybe two to three months. Um, we're going to be living in my parents' house, which they are not going to be living in at the same time, um, while we wait for visas to process. Or where are you or... where are you going we're moving to spain that's right i thought I'd, i i was like thinking spain but i was like i don't know if she said that how exciting i'm excited for you thank you thank you we are very excited we are very overwhelmed and we are having some real uh soul searching moments when it comes to um just the things we have, the things we use, the future things that we might have. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it is, it's a really good time to like make some tweaks to habits when it comes to stuff. So yeah, um, a big move like that will do it. <laughs> yeah. And I'd say even if you don't have to do it, it's a fun hypothetical exercise maybe to go through and just like, oh my God, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> Totally agree. I honestly think, even though we've moved so many times, like I can't underscore enough how this last move was just particularly traumatic. And I think it was like, okay, well, it's pandemic and it was like peak uh, Delta surge. So we were like, we can't have movers. Like we really had to like experience the full weight, literally and figuratively, of all the stuff we owned. And I was like, wow, I'm going to live every day of my life from now on as if I'm going to have to do that again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and didn't you have to like do multiple trips across the country or something? Like, yeah, we something? It, like, yeah. it's not like a very, very <laughs> it was intense. Not a fun experience. So definitely a good thing to learn from and like carry that with you going forward. Absolutely. Yeah, we did. You know what? It's like I'd almost I think that my brain has blocked some of the pain of it out, but you're right. We did yeah. we drove from Pennsylvania to Austin, Texas, which is like a three day drive uh, with a trailer full of possessions because we knew like everything was going haywire with the pandemic. They were basically mm -hmm. to move the bulk of our stuff. They dropped off a huge trailer, like a uh, like a for a tractor trailer, not a full length one, but pretty close mm -hmm. in our driveway. And we filled that with all of our stuff. And they said it might make it to Texas in two weeks, but it might be a lot longer. And we were like, we can't. I was like, I can't sleep on the floor 
for like a month or two months, like, and not have dishes and like a place to work at. Like, I just, I, I can't. Like, I'm gonna lose my mind. And the house we live in actually has cement floors, so it would have been particularly oh. brutal. Um, yeah. so we brought like here like a bed, a couch, one table, two chairs, <laughs> like dishes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Two of everything just so we could like kind of live here. And because I was like, we have to be prepared for anything. And I don't like I was really adamant even before we had to pack up all our stuff and deal with like the actual moving of most of it. I was really adamant that we not acquire more stuff to bridge that gap in between. Like I was like, I see how this goes. Suddenly we are at Target and we're buying like all these dishes and pots and pans and stuff that we don't need because we have really nice stuff that we've like – accumulated our whole lives like we're gonna hold on to that so so yes we drove down here with the trailer of stuff we spent a week then we drove all the way back to pennsylvania three three days back and then like not even a month later we did that whole drive again me driving the car with a trailer and brenda my cat and all of my plants in the car and then dustin driving the rv with the other four cats (laughs) and it was just like let's never do this again (laughs) (laughs) yeah no talk about a cautionary tale i know oh my gosh the day you know it was like we have to leave we have to leave for texas now like our stuff is gone uh our we've gave our like we have to be out of this house in a day we gotta get to texas so i can start working uh we realized that like after we'd packed everything up there was still stuff and it wasn't stuff we wanted to leave behind so the plan for the whole trip had been because it was the delta surge that we would uh, sleep in the RV every night. Like I packed up our clothes in there and food and we were all set up to like live in there for the next three days. But then mm-hmm. we had to start throwing stuff in the RV. So, <laughs> and we just started packing in like random furniture and this and that. And then it was like, well, now we can't sleep in here. So now we have to find motels to stay in. And then we, we drove to Knoxville, Tennessee the first day. It was a really long, brutal drive. And we got there in the middle of the night. It's New Year's Eve. There's like drunk people in the parking lot fighting and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I said, listen, now that we're staying in a hotel, we really need to like let the cats get out of their carriers so they have to sleep in the RV tonight. So to do that, we had to take everything out of the RV and repack it so that then we could let the cats out. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's right. like in a parking lot in like an like an econo lodge on New Year's Eve at like one in the morning. Oh. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. I felt like we were like that, yeah. like the Beverly Hillbillies. We just had stuff strapped everywhere and like just rolling into Texas like that. Rolling into town. Yeah. So when you reached out to me about yeah. rehoming your stuff, I was like, this is a feeling that I understand way too well right now. It was a little triggering. Yeah. I was like, I, I hear you. Let's talk about how it could be better. Well, this is also really good for me as I'm going into this move because um it's really I mean it's tough this relationship with stuff is it's challenging I don't think there's one there's not one right answer um you know like with everything you kind of weigh you you get the information you weigh the pros and cons that are relevant for you and you kind of make the best decision that you can um and it's not always going to be perfect and Ugh, any way that we, you know, any way you slice it, you're, you're using, like, we're using resources in this move, right? Oh, yeah, totally. There's no easy answer to anything. And I was actually just talking to someone earlier about how, like, unfortunately, like, our brains want an easy Mm 
good, bad answer. And when it comes to stuff like this, it's just it's just not there. There isn't, right? And it's sometimes mm-hmm. it comes down to like, okay, well, what's the best solution for you? Everything is complicated. Like there's never like this is the right answer, this is the wrong answer that's clear. And so I think it's just like sometimes it comes down to like what's the best answer for your sanity because <laughs> – you know, like yes. that's the immediate. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, and especially when it's, when it's a big, a big thing. Well, and you know, it depends on your situation too. Like right now, this is the biggest big thing that I'm dealing with and it's big, but also um, just, just getting through like a grocery store trip at the beginning of the pandemic. That was a really big thing. Also, so it's all relative and it's just, um, yeah, pick, pick the thing that's best for you Mm -hmm. right now. And if you can factor in some of those larger scale, you know, those things that a little in a circle, a little bit farther out from you, um, excellent. But, um, I do think that the, the best and easiest, the easiest, easy thing that anyone can do I think it's just choose not to bring the thing home in the first place. It's like true. Right it's true. I mean, it's, right if you want an easy thing, don't bring the thing home. Yeah, because after that, it's complicated, you know, mm-hmm. like can't handle the pressure. Just don't do it. Like that's that's ultimately what it is. I, I get a lot of messages from people who are like looking for an easy solution to like what they should do with this or that, like whether to buy it or not or which to buy or et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, maybe you just don't need to buy it at all. Yeah. It's like what, but like what? You know? <laughs> but I want it. Okay, well, <laughs> then you have to, you know, be ready to accept the again consequences, repercussions are I feel like strong nouns, but the you know you have to accept those things. Yeah. From your choice, so it's true. (laughs) Why it's such a great time talking to you. I'm glad we were able to make this work with everything going on everywhere. Likewise, yes. Thank you so much for um, for the time and the great conversation. It's been wonderful, super fun. If you're enjoying this episode, then this is a great time to remind you that my work here at Close Horse is made possible by the support of listeners like you, just like NPR, and these great small businesses. Please go give them your support. Blank Cass, or Blanket Coats by Cass, is focused on restoring, renewing, and reviving the history held within vintage and heirloom textiles. By embodying the love, craft, and energy that is original to each vintage textile as I transfer it into a new garment, I hope we can reteach ourselves to care for and mend what we have and make it last. Blank Cass lives on Instagram at blank underscore Cass, and a website will be launched soon at blankcass.com. Located in Whistler, Canada, Velvet Underground is a velvet jungle full of vintage and secondhand clothing, plants, a vegan cafe, and lots of rad products from other small sustainable businesses. Our mission is to create a brand and community dedicated to promoting self-expression, as well as educating and inspiring a more sustainable and conscious lifestyle, both for the people and the planet. 
Find us on Instagram at shop underscore velvet underground or online at www.shopvelvetunderground.com. St. Evans is a New York City-based vintage shop that is dedicated to bringing you those special pieces you'll reach for again and again. More than just a store, St. Evans is dedicated to sharing the stories and history behind the garments. 10% of all sales are donated to a different charitable organization each month. For the month of April, St. Evans is supporting United Farm Workers Foundation, mobilizing farm workers and their organizations across the country to advocate for more equitable policies. New Vintage is released every Thursday at wearsaintevens.com with previews of new pieces and more brought to you on Instagram at where underscore st dot evens. That's where St. Evans. Country Feedback is a mom-and-pop record shop in Tarboro, North Carolina. They specialize in used rock, country, and soul, and offer affordable vintage clothing and housewares. Do you have used records you want to sell? Country Feedback wants to buy them. Find us on Instagram at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl, or head down east and visit our brick and mortar. All are welcome at this inclusive and family-friendly record shop in the country. Republica Unicornia Yarns, handmade yarn and notions for the color obsessed, made with love and some swearing in fabulous Atlanta, Georgia by head yarn wench Kathleen. Get ready for rainbows with a side of giving a damn. Republica Unicornia is all about making your own magic using small batch, responsibly sourced, hand-dyed yarns, and thoughtfully made notions. Slow fashion all the way down and discover the joy of creating your very own beautiful hand-knit, crocheted, or woven pieces. Find us on Instagram at republica underscore unicornia underscore yarns and at www.republicaunicornia.com. Picnicware, a slow fashion brand ethically made by hand from vintage and dead stock materials, most notably vintage towels. Founder Danny has worked in the industry as a fashion designer for over 10 years, but started Picnicware in response to her dissatisfaction with the industry's shortcomings. Picnicware recently moved to rural North Carolina, where all their sewing and accessories are now designed and cut, but the majority of their sewing is done by skilled garment workers in New York City. Their customers take comfort in knowing that all their sewists are paid well above New York City minimum wage. Picnicware offers minimal waste and maximum authenticity. Future vintage over future garbage. Cute Little Ruin is an online shop dedicated to providing quality vintage and secondhand clothing, vinyl, and home items in a wide range of styles and price points. If it's ethical and legal, we try to find a home for it. Vintage style with progressive values. Find us on Instagram at Cute Little Ruin. The Pewter Thimble is a curated secondhand shop based out of Rome, Italy. Owner Desiree Marie Townley has a background in costuming and makeup for dance and opera and focuses on dressing for the character you want to be in the world. Curated collections are dropped in a story sale and always have a specialized theme, like the color palette of Starry Night, the film classic Casablanca, and the children's novel The Secret Garden. Desiree works with local artisans, and pieces are rescued from markets and rehabilitated and resold with worldwide shipping. The Pewter Thimble is a collection of pieces that will have eternal style from the Eternal City. Discover more on Instagram at The Pewter Thimble. <laughs> 
Thanks again to Gina for taking the time to share her experiences with us. I found all of her ideas so helpful, and I'm going to be doing a post this week on Instagram sharing a lot of her suggestions. I'll also be linking to her reading recommendation, Fixation, How to Have Stuff Without Breaking the Planet, in the show notes. It's definitely going on my reading list. And I think we should also just take a moment and say, hey, Gina, good luck on your move. We're going to miss you. Do you have any recommendations for mindfully rehoming your unwanted or unneeded stuff? Send them my way. You can either email me at amanda at closehorse.world or you can record an audio message on your phone or your computer and send it my way. Let's be honest here. Moving away from donation bin or trash bin is not easy. In fact, it's pretty groundbreaking in the fast fashion era, right? So we are all going to have to share ideas with others, be receptive to new, I don't know, outlets for the things we no longer want or need. And really, maybe we don't need to acquire those things in the first place. That's an even bigger idea, right? It's going to require a lot of support and idea sharing and all just all of the good vibes from all of us. This is not easy. None of this is easy. I mean, we're talking about some really big questions here. We're also just talking about changing the way we do things. But I think we are all at a point where we realize that easy, the easy way, is no longer acceptable because maybe what was easy wasn't really that easy downstream. I think we're all ready to put in the work to do things in a better way and minimize our impact on the planet and its people. I know I'm ready for this and so are you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Close Horse. Written, researched, edited, all the things by me, Amanda Lee McCarty. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Please also, I don't know, if you're feeling a little, you got a couple extra minutes today, leave a rating and a review. It all helps get us up the charts and into more ears. But most importantly, recommend Close Horse to a friend. That's the number one way to share information, right? If you'd like to support my work here, go check out patreon.com slash podcast. And as a reminder, next week will be our special two-year anniversary episode. I've already received a bunch of amazing audio essays about your own journeys into sustainability. I'm going to tell you, if you were running behind schedule, you have a few extra days here. Um, don't, now don't take too many extra days, but you know, if you wanted to get it to me in the next day or two, even though that is past the deadline, I will still accept it. And yeah, I guess that's all I have to say. Now I can go turn the air conditioning back on because it is like 100 degrees in Austin today. One last thing. Thanks as always to my other half, Dustin Travis White for our music and audio support. Bye. 